Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. To prevent paying a froster your vendor's payment, I bet your vendor team has implemented the step to contact the vendor. It's called that simple confirmation phone call to eliminate fraud, but both you and I know that in practice, it's just not that simple. And if needed, most are missing one critical step. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 152, a simple way to mitigate fraud that is just not that simple and the missing step. So on my site, I post new scam alerts um, so that accounts payable, vendor teams, and other professionals that have the responsibility of adding new vendors and updating existing vendors we'll know about the newest ways that cyber criminals are out to get your vendor's payment. And we all know that they think of new ways almost every day, right? Because they go to work every day, just like you and I, they just use their powers for evil. So they're thinking of these new ways. And um, so I post these new scam alerts, which also includes posting when a company has become a victim. And it was very interesting or not interesting, I guess just so similar and so commonplace for a uh, someone to talk about what could have avoided it. So let's first talk about that city and what happened. So The city of LeClaire, which is in Iowa, uh, recently the Gazette published a story that talked about how they paid a fraudster that was posing as their vendor and paid them three times, not once, but three times from the period of November 2020 to February 21st um, or February 2021. Now, the only way that it was discovered, um, which is common, is that the vendor contacted at the city because they noticed that they were missing their payments. Now, the yes, the, the business email compromise or the email fraud um, to the tune of $223,000 was significant. By the way, they were able to recover, I think, $102,000 of that. But anyway, yes, that was significant. But what I want to focus on in this podcast episode um, was the advice that was given. So, and I'm quoting here from the article, John Johnson, founder and president of the docent, 
Institute, a Betterdorf-based nonprofit that focuses on cybersecurity education, said a simple, and there goes those air quotes again, a simple step of taking the time to make a call or send an email to someone you trust before completing high dollar transfers is a low cost way to prevent scamming, end quote. And so let's talk now about that simple, um, simple phone call. All right, so I know this is everyone's approach, but it's not that simple. I wonder if John Johnson or, you know, not just him, anyone that has given that simple, again, air quotes, advice has ever been the one that has actually had to make those vendor phone calls. Um, and why do I say that? Again, because making that phone call is just not that simple. Not saying that making the confirmation phone call is not necessary. I I work with uh, accounts payable uh, vendor teams, procurement vendor teams, where they have manual or mostly manual processes to add internal controls, best uh, practices, and authentication so that they can eliminate fraud, um, also eliminate compliance fines and just that overall bad vendor data. But I've worked with them where I've inputted or implemented authentication of the requester, which is the person submitting the documents for a bank change, right? So you authenticate them and then um, also requiring authenticating data or authentication of the data, which basically means they uh, give you the information that's on their existing vendor record to prove they are who they say they are, such as the existing vendor banking information, right? Or the last three deposit dates and amounts, because if they have the authority to change the banking, then they should have access to the existing banking. And if they don't, you have to wonder, do they really have the authority to change banking? But anyway, um, I've implemented both of those two steps, authentication of the requester and authentication of the data before the banking change is made. And if you do that, then you may be able to eliminate the requirement for that phone call. Now, some clients will approve the support with the support of their leadership and their external auditors that they don't need to make the phone call but some still want the call. Now I will put um, a link to the accompanying blog post for this podcast in the show notes. And in that blog post, I will have an on-demand webinar that I did right after the pandemic um, started last year, um, where, you know, the, um, uh, it was difficult to get anybody on the phone. And so I talked about an, uh, that alternate pro- uh, authentication process. So if you want to check that out, um, go ahead and click through to the blog post and then you'll see the on-demand webinar. But in any event, let's talk about why it's not um, simple, why that confirmation phone call is not simple. Um, because once a legitimate vendor submits that legitimate bank change, they are just hard to get on the phone. Even before the pandemic, when the vendors were at their desk, when they still had access to the company phone system, they submitted that bank change request, and then they were off doing vendor things and they just weren't available on that first call attempt. 
to answer the phone and confirm the request for change, right? So that's why I like the authentication me uh, method because at that point you still have their attention because they still have not really finished the submission process, right? So I like that authentication piece because once they submit uh, that, uh, that bank change to you, once they go through that process, if you have one or if they're just submitting the bank change, they're done. They think they're done. And so they're not around right for that for first call attempt. And that's if you have the correct number to contact them at. Because remember, lots of vendors just like you are at home. They're working remotely. They may not have access to the company phone system. They may be using their cell phones just like some of you are. And so they're just not available um, to confirm that request using the information that's on your uh, their vendor record in your vendor master file, which is best practice. Um, so you've got this company phone number, they're not available on it. So it makes it harder and it's not uh, it makes it not simple, right? Um, so again, even before the pandemic, uh, I found it when I was a practitioner, I just found it hard um, for my team members to contact these vendors and confirm that they were the ones that uh, that actually did request the change. And then in the interim, what do you do, right? Do you just continue sending the payments to the old, um, to their old banking uh, uh, bank account, the banking details they have on file? Well, if you do that and they really have uh, closed that bank account, now you're going to get that back. Your bank is going to send you a notice of change. We used to call them NOX, NOCs. And you've got to process that and you can't send out another payment because at some point, if you keep sending out uh, payments to the old bank account, you could be susceptible to a notch fine. So, you know, you've got to make sure that that those attempts to confirm the vendor, if that's still your practice with that phone call is being done, you know, um, so you or your team member called again and again, um, and things get in the way, right? So this time, a couple of days later, so you make the phone call, but then the next time you make it, it's a couple of days later because you or your team members were off or were busy, it's month in close, whatever that issue is. Um, but again, by now, another payment has gone out to the old bank account and it has been returned to the bank and you've got yet another notice of change or knock, right? So the question is, is this necessary? Well, maybe if you don't have authentication processes in place. And if you don't, I do recommend you check out that webinar I just talked about. Um, so is it necessary? Maybe. Um, but is it easy? No, it is not easy. So let's talk about that one step, that key step that can make that phone call process more manageable. So the key step that many I find are really missing is to track the attempts made to confirm the bank account change. So whether you only have the person requesting the change as a contact on your vendor record 
or you are able to contact someone else at your vendor's business uh, to confirm the bank change, which by the way is a best practice, that needs to be documented. That means uh, that if a vendor team member is out, another vendor team member knows where to pick up from or start with the next attempts to contact vendors that have bank changes. It's also great for management because they can review the document um, that document to ensure that confirmation uh, confirmations attempt for um, bank change requests are being completed in a timely manner and not increasing turnaround times. So you'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, um, to know that many of those attempts just don't keep getting remade in an efficient manner because other things come up. There are urgent situations that come up all the time in accounts payable. You get busy with other things, and so that it's just not a consistency to it. So I do recommend that you have a what I call a confirmation log. And here's what you need to include on it. So you want to document the attempt, right? So document the day, the date, the time, the phone number called, or the email address if you did it, uh, if you're doing confirmation by email um, using an email address on your vendor record. But we are talking about in this podcast episode, we are talking about um uh, phone calls. So phone number called, source of the phone number. Did you get it from the web? Did you get it from the vendor record? Uh, the team member that called or made that specific attempt. And then exactly what happened. If you left a voicemail or your team member left a voicemail, document that. If um, the uh, uh, person that you're trying to contact was out and is going to be on vacation until Monday, document that. So make sure you document exactly what happens. Now, this can be a simple, there's that word again, but this can be an Excel worksheet. Um, it can be a Google Doc because I know Google Docs um, are slightly better in the sharing department. So if you've got multiple team members that are making that phone call, then maybe a Google Doc will be better for you. Um, so Google Doc, Excel worksheet, throw some columns on there. Make sure you include, you include day, date, time, phone number call, source of phone number, team member that called and then what happened. And if you're also doing it by email, then you'll want to throw in some applicable columns to capture the email address. Again, um, where you got that uh, uh, email, the source of the email address. And and actually it can be the same as the source of the phone number. Um, just make it slash email address. And that's again, if you are um, doing confirmations by email, which I'm not against that either, uh, as long as you are not using the email from the original request. So anyway, I hope that helps you. Um, one other thing I will say just as a bonus is once you contact the vendor, confirm the change, update it in your vendor master file, make sure you're sending the vendor a notification to let them know you have made the change. This is an extra layer of uh, protection, again, that the request was valid. Now, I do have a podcast episode. It is episode 42. If you want to listen to that about sending that notification to vendors after updates in the vendor master file. So go ahead, uh, check out episode 42. 
So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 152nd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable team members are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.